Welcome back to our second service today. A uh, special welcome to any guests who are worshiping with us and those online. And we have Pastor Wielinga leading us in worship once again. Our call to worship this afternoon comes from Matthew 11, uh, the verses 28 to the end of the chapter. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Please stand and we'll begin to worship service. As we come before the Lord to worship him, congregation, where does our help come from? Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Receive the Lord's greeting. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us sing together Psalm 63, stanzas 1 and 2. Come to the Lord our God in prayer. Merciful Heavenly Father, we come again as your congregation into your holy presence. We thank you, Lord God, that you are gracious to receive us into your presence, and you have made this possible in the Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who came into this world so that we in him may come into your heavenly presence. Lord, what a wondrous gift you have given us. What a great privilege we have. Lord, we acknowledge that it is all your work for us and your work in us. We thank you for your spirit who dwells with us, with your people everywhere. Lord, how wondrous it is that we are not left to ourselves in a dark and broken world. There is, if we have our ears open and our eyes open, there is so much that could cause us despair. Lord, we thank you that you have lifted us up and that you give us hope and a future. 
We thank you, Lord, that you are still working and you are sending the gospel, the good news of your Son, to faraway places and nearby. We thank you that many may still hear because you are patient and kind. We pray that hearts may be opened and comforted and come to joy of salvation in the Lord Jesus. Bless missionaries and their families on the mission fields. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to bless other means of the promotion of the gospel of grace. We pray that you will continue to bless your congregation here under the care of office bearers. We thank you, Lord, that you do give office bearers for the care of your people, minister, elders, deacons. We thank you for those whom you have given to your people here, and we pray that you will equip and bless them with your grace and spirit, with wisdom and the truth of your word, that your congregation may be blessed through their service. As we now open your word, we ask that you will bless the reading and the hearing of your word this afternoon. And Lord, receive our praise and thanksgiving, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. We open Holy Scripture uh, again to the book of Daniel, right after the book of Ezekiel, and Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 8 and read through verse 16. This is the word of our God. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. So far the reading of God's holy word. Let us sing now Psalm 57, stanzas 1, 2, and 5.
The text for the sermon is from the scripture reading, mostly the beginning of the scripture reading, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes when you're away from home, who you are will really be revealed. Sometimes where we are will say a lot about who we are, more than we maybe realize and more than we maybe wished. Daniel and his three brothers in Christ and others along with them were now in Babylon, far away from home. Home was back in Judah, close to Jerusalem and close to the temple of the Lord and close to where the people of God had their roots. But home was behind Daniel now. So what does being away from home, what does being in Babylon say about who Daniel is? And what does being who Daniel is say about what Daniel does? A change in context can say a lot about someone. Think about it when you've grown up in a Christian home and then you move out on your own, what is revealed about you? What does the new context, what does the new environment and new opportunity bring out about you? Would your family back home still recognize you? When children of the Lord go on vacation or on military duty or on a work trip, maybe far from home. What does that bring out? Would your church family back home say, well, that's strange. They're never like that when they're at home. Looks like they've gone a little Babylonian or a lot. When someone who has gone to a Christian school or been homeschooled by Christian parents all their life, they go to secular university, college, where it's kind of nowadays being like being in Babylon in a very concentrated sort of way, what does that context reveal about you? Would the people you went to school with all your life still recognize you. And of course, we would like to say, yeah, of course, I'm still me. It's still me. When Daniel was now in Babylon, new location, new name, new teachers, who was Daniel? Well, Daniel knew who he was. I'm still a child of the Lord God. And I'm still accountable to him. And I still love the Lord. Being in Babylon didn't change any of that. It's not my location that makes me Christian. I'm Christian because I'm in Christ. No matter where else I am. And because of who I am in Christ... I behave in certain ways and not in other ways wherever I go because I love the Lord when I'm away from home too. Looking at it from the other side, sometimes a familiar setting can hide things about us, right? Routines, habits, traditions, Familiarity with others, regular accountability structures. That can be, it is, very good for spiritual settledness, but it can also hide things. We're used to a certain setting 
and it becomes as if it's the setting and the routines that make us Christian. But it's not the setting, it's the heart in Christ that makes someone Christian. If it's only the setting and the routines and the habits and the structures that make you a Christian, then if you were to be carried away to Babylon, you would be swallowed up in a moment because your heart wasn't really in Christ. Your heart was only in routines. If your heart was only in a certain church building, well, as soon as the temple in Jerusalem gets destroyed, then your heart will be exposed because then the foundation is gone, which wasn't really there. Daniel's heart was set on Christ who was coming, and it showed also when he went to Babylon, far from home. Daniel's spirit evidenced the spirit of Christ in him, Christ in whom the Lord God was making a new beginning. God's people in his land had set their hearts against the Lord God. Therefore, he had sent his people into Babylon, which is where their hearts were set. But when the Lord did that, it was his purpose to begin again with a people with a new heart like Daniel. Ultimately, that wouldn't happen until Christ, the new man from God, came. But Daniel and his three brothers in Christ set their hearts on Christ who was to come. And in that way, the Lord God was setting up for the next phase of his work towards the coming Christ. It is as if the Lord is saying, See, I still have a people, however small a remnant, a people whose heart is set on the Lord God. When all the outward form of religion is stripped away, their heart is still steadfast in the Lord. Very Christ-like. This is the shadowing of Christ in Daniel and the three with him. Jesus Christ would come, the Son of God, leaving behind all the glory of heaven. For him, a completely new setting. And he came to do all God's will in foreign territory among sinners on earth, even to the forsakenness on the cross. And so Christ would win a people for God and for his kingdom, a people whose hearts are new for God through the blood and spirit of Jesus Christ. It's also good to point out that Daniel quickly determined where and how to work out his distinctiveness for God and for God's kingdom while he was in Babylon. Daniel worked it out in the matter of food and drink. And we can, when, when we deal with Daniel in Babylon, it's easy for our minds to take a shift to Joseph in Egypt. So Daniel worked it out in the matter of food and drink, how to serve the Lord faithfully and keep my heart set on the Lord God. Joseph in Egypt worked it out in the matter of sexual purity. This would have taken some knowledge and wisdom for both Joseph, but for Daniel. Considering he was a youth just away from home, you can tell he had been well-trained in the faith to know how to implement his faith quickly in this circumstance. 
he had taken his instruction to heart when he had received instruction from his parents at home and in Judah around the temple and in church and in catechism class. He didn't waste his youth not taking his life seriously. He was a youth in Christ, knowing how to apply the word and truth of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ far away from church and home and family, where the pressure of losing his distinctiveness was very strong. Daniel was a youth standing firm in Jesus Christ, and then also quickly going about continuing in Jesus Christ, right? Think about it. It wouldn't have been very helpful to take the king's food and drink, let's say for two weeks, and then decide to get serious about being a Christian. That's what makes Christians a laughing stock, very confusing to others and often called hypocrites. What do you mean you won't take the king's food and drink? You just did for two weeks. You were Babylonian for the past two weeks. See, Daniel didn't do that. Cave in and then take a stand. He didn't do that, right? Think about that. When you go off to university or college, and you play fast and loose with alcohol and sex in order to fit in. How do you think as a Christian, when do you think as a Christian you'll get around to being a serious Christian and letting the people around you know that you're not a fake Christian? When do you think it's a good time to love the Lord and serve Him? Do you have a good plan, right? You, you see how that, that's going to backfire. Do you have a good plan for that without making people around you think that Christians are just hypocrites anyway? Wouldn't it make more sense to just be real from day one? Not to mention how much more it evidences a heart that really loves the Lord from day one in Babylon. And sure, there will always be weakness and there will be fears. But Daniel didn't say, let me give a little bit of joy to my weakness first and then I'll get serious. He didn't say that. Daniel quickly from day one with wisdom implemented his faith in this new circumstance away from home in Babylon. So how could Daniel do that with such courage and determination. How could someone young like Daniel, we don't know exactly how young, but we know he was a youth, how could someone young like Daniel get up the courage in this new setting where all the pressure is on? Where did he give the courage, get the courage to say, well, well, actually, please, I would like not to defile myself with the king's food? In fact, I have said it upon my heart that I will not defile myself with the king's food and wine. Isn't Daniel taking a stand against the king? He is taking a stand against the king. That wouldn't be seen as very good in Babylon. You won't fly the rainbow flag. That's rebellion. So where does it come from to, to stand up like Daniel did? It comes from knowing. It comes from knowing the true and living God in Jesus Christ. It comes from knowing with certainty a higher reality the future reality which surpasses the reality 
that is called Babylon, this world here and now. There is a God in heaven, and his Christ is coming to rule at his right hand. There is a God in heaven, and I know him. He is sovereign king in Babylon. I live in his reality. I live in light of divine truth all the time. I live everywhere in his rule. So this means it's not really Daniel standing up against Babylon. It's Daniel standing with the Lord over against Babylon. If it was just Daniel standing by himself with his opinions against Babylon, that would be of no account whatsoever. That would be kind of laughable. That's like, who do you think you are standing up against Babylon? That's probably what the Babylonians thought, but that's not how Christians think. It's not about who do I think I am to oppose Babylon. It's about who I know the Lord God is over and in and against Babylon. If the Lord God isn't real, if the Lord God isn't at the heart of Daniel's thinking and stance, then this is obviously all hollow and changeable, then it's just an opinion. Daniel's courage doesn't come from Daniel feeling courageous for a moment, courageous enough to be different in Babylon. Those feelings will come and go. Courage comes from knowing the Lord God and his rule and the coming Christ. If the Lord is God, and he is, then I take my stand here. Because the Lord is God, this is what I do. And the Lord God will take care of all the fallout from me standing with him against Babylon. In that sense, it really is simple in, in terms of not complicated. It is profound, but it is simple. Then you don't really have to worry about what Babylon might think or what Babylon might do. Babylon can think or do all at once, but it's not about that. One day, sooner or later, Babylon will come to know that the Lord is God and that Christ is coming. And what we did in Babylon, the stand we took and the things we said were all based in that reality. The Lord is God. His Christ is coming. Christians don't speak up and take a stand simply because we think we have a right to an opinion too. We have a right to speak our mind in the public square too, so why not? No, Christians operate and speak out of the heavenly future reality, which is Christ at the right hand of the living God. The world doesn't need equal room for the opinions of Christians. The world needs the truth about the reality of God and his Christ. Daniel knew. He knew that there is a God in heaven. And it is for me and ultimately for everyone else to live and speak in light of him and his Christ. That's courage that rests firmly in heavenly and eternal reality. That being said, Daniel took a relatively quiet approach, bold but quiet. He didn't operate behind signs and placards. He didn't start a movement. In fact, when the whole event is done, it's questionable whether Nebuchadnezzar ever really got to know about this food thing. 
Because Daniel wasn't out to poke the king in the eye. He wasn't looking for media attention and for equal coverage. Why isn't the Babylonian media covering my hunger strike? Who cares about the media? Christians don't live for public media attention, nor for social media attention. It's not about how loud you can be. It's just, Mr. Chief of the Eunuchs, please, sir, allow me to be excused. Please allow me to not defile myself with the king's food and wine. Which, with the word defile in it, is certainly not a tame request. It it is making a clear point. But it's also not obnoxious. He didn't start a hunger strike. He didn't throw the food across the room. He didn't take it upon himself. He asked permission. And he didn't do it to make a Christian statement to the godless state. If that was his purpose, he would have taken a page in the Babylonian newspaper. But he wasn't doing this to make a Christian statement. He was doing this to not defile himself before his God. He's doing it because he's living before the eyes of God. And yes, he also happens to be living before the eyes of Babylonians, but that's not decisive. Living before the eyes of God, that's always the primary thing. Being Christian before the eyes of the world is always secondary. Our primary objective and orientation is not to be Christian influencers. That's maybe an also thing. To make that the primary thing is to become human-centric, always focused on people, the audience, losing sight of God, which is counterproductive if you want to win the world for God. Our primary orientation is towards God and His throne and Christ at His right hand. So how can Daniel serve the Lord God? He says, please, sir, may I be excused from this food and wine for reasons of clean and unclean, which is according to the will of my God. Now, it doesn't say that he said it that way, but that's motivating him. Daniel desires to remain distinct for God, separated for his kingdom the kingdom of heaven. Daniel is evidencing the spirit of Christ, the one Christ who came and said from the scriptures, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Christ who also said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. Daniel wasn't trying to start a new diet, a new health fad. He didn't expect Babylonians to join him. He didn't do it because he just wanted to be different. He didn't do it because, well, you know, I'm from Judah and our dishes in Judah are different than your dishes in Babylon. No, I will not defile myself. It's with a view to God in heaven who is far more to Daniel than Babylon and all its perks. The Lord God and the coming Christ are far more to Daniel than food and drink. By asking to not eat from the king's table with the accompanying request to take vegetables and water, it does seem evident that this this is a step down Right, just think about it, the king's food and wine and vegetables and water. That's pretty evident. 
Daniel is clearly foregoing the luxury of Babylon, saying no to the best of the best in order to preserve himself for God and for God's kingdom. I'll forego the riches and tastes and fatness of Babylon for the sake of something more ultimate, though less glamorous here and now. I will take suffering with Christ over the comforts of a world in rebellion. There is the question, maybe more than this question, why did Daniel choose only this as the proof of his faith in God? Why didn't he say uh, something like, please let me not learn from the books of the Babylonians? Or why didn't he say something like, please just take the woke books out of my curriculum? Why didn't he say, please just call me Daniel? Why, why do we have to go with this Belteshazzar thing? Can, can we do that? Just call me Daniel? So there are, there are questions that we might have. A similar sort of question might be, if, if not the king's food and wine, why are vegetables okay and the water? So what exactly is it about the food and the wine of the king? Why not reject other things too, in other words? Should he not have rejected public education? See, that one, that one would probably be more obvious to us. He didn't, at least it's definitely not apparent from God's word that he rejected public education. We want to say with the Lord Jesus in Matthew 15 that the king's food and the king's wine would just go into the mouth and into the stomach and then out again. It's not what goes into a person that defiles a person, says Jesus. It's not the king's food and the king's wine that defiles a person. And we would say, well, Babylonian education, now that would be far more consequential. That would be harmful for Daniel, wouldn't it? Because that would shape, that would defile his mind and his heart. The answer to these various questions are hard for us to nail down and we don't get answers that are entirely satisfying we have to be content with what the Word of God includes for our benefit and what it leaves out for our curiosity. We can say Daniel was somehow applying the food and drink laws from the law of Moses to his situation. And that was first making a distinction between clean and unclean, which is a way to keep practical and alive the distinction between sin and not sin. Not that certain foods were sinful, but it was, a, it was a practical application of the sin and not sin distinction for God's people. The distinction between God's kingdom and the kingdom of this world and the distinction between people of God and people not of God. And then second, by not eating the king's food and not drinking the king's wine, Daniel was separating himself from the table of the king. That might be part of this. So that it was not simply the food and the drink, but the principle of communion. I keep myself separate for, for the table of Christ, separate from the table of Babylon, because... I am of God's kingdom. I eat from his table. I am not of the kingdom of Babylon. Going on to verse 9, in all this we read, God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. The Lord God is sovereign king, he is in control, even in the hearts and minds 
of those of the kingdom of this world. And the Lord God is that also for the sake of his cause in the world and for the sake of his people in the world. So no matter how dark, no matter how deep the darkness, no matter how hidden away the people of God, no matter how hopeless from a human perspective, there is God with his own for us in Christ his Son. Now the word of God tells us this, God gave Daniel favor. Likely Daniel would have known, would have perceived this, he would have been able to tell perhaps by the attitude of the chief of the eunuchs towards him. Favor, compassion, have an outward display. Right? Just like God gave Joseph in Egypt favor with Potiphar and then favor with the keeper of the prison in Egypt. This is a huge encouragement for Daniel, but also for us to read in God's word. It's not ultimately persons or circumstances, powers, authorities, governments, which will control how it goes for the children of God or for the church of Jesus Christ in the world. It's not ultimately persons or circumstances or powers or authorities that are determinative. And it's not even how hard we try to manipulate results. The things from below are not the ultimate determiner of our standing in the world, with the world. So if the Lord needs us for his purpose, and somewhere in unlikely places in the world kingdom, he will arrange it. He will even do it by arranging people's hearts and feelings towards his people, towards his church. Daniel and we are not at the mercy of a cruel Babylon. Daniel and we are not at the mercy of governments and the people of a world kingdom. Not ultimately. We are at the mercy of our God who loves us in Jesus Christ. Daniel did not have to put in all kinds of effort to make himself winsome. Should we change up the music or should we dress up or should we dress down or what should we do to get people favorable to the church? And certainly, as we said, he wasn't trying to be obnoxious. He was simply desiring to be in Christ. But like that, faithful in Christ, God will take care of how others receive or oppose Daniel in Christ. The children of God, the church of Jesus Christ, doesn't have to go out of its way to please the people of this world who are opposed to God and Christ. Really, how much effort do you think it takes to please the people of this world? You'll never know. The, the goalpost is always moving. You don't have to change this and you don't have to change that. End up being everything for the world because you'll end up being nothing for God and for Christ and for his kingdom. So be for God and for Christ and the Lord will take care of the fallout as he needs and as he needs for us. The chief of staff of Babylon took a liking to Daniel because because the Lord stirred his heart to take a liking to Daniel, to show him favor and compassion. Daniel didn't have to sweat it. Those kinds of arrangements are in the Lord's hand. So for the church, 
We don't have to, we shouldn't be obnoxious in the world to get attention, but nor do we need to sweat it, hoping and trying to make the world like the church and make people like to come here. That's not our job. We are to be like Christ, like Daniel, simply for God and for his kingdom. And sometimes that will get God's people into prison. And sometimes that will get God's people completely the other way into the halls of power. Simply as the Lord needs. Right? Think again of Joseph. Joseph, being for God in Christ, one moment got him into prison. And then still being for God in Christ, some years later, got Joseph to be Pharaoh's right-hand man. That's huge extremes. Not because Joseph changed. Not because Joseph tried harder the second time to be more attractive to the world, but because God arranges these things as He needs, as He did with and for His own Son, Jesus. Jesus not defiling Himself for the sake of His Father and for the Father's purpose and kingdom. One moment that got Jesus onto the cross, and then it got Him a resurrection and an ascension into heaven. It's the same Jesus. He didn't change. He remained who he was, the faithful, undefiled Son of God. The gospel, the reality of the Lord God in Babylon, in the world kingdom, now with Jesus, our Lord at God's right hand in heaven, we belonging to the heavenly realm. That is so encouraging for us. Things might not go as we like or expect. Things might not fit in our level of comfort. But the Lord is always working and present and always for us in Christ, always advancing His work, moving it on to the coming of His kingdom. And that coming is sure. And it is for us to take our place, to take our place in Christ for God and for His kingdom distinctively. Then we will never be disappointed. Daniel wasn't disappointed. We'll never, we'll never be disappointed. Surprised maybe at what God can do, but never disappointed. Daniel went away to Babylon and he was still near to God and ever closer to God's kingdom. Amen. Let us stand and we will sing Psalm 121, stanzas 1 and 3.
like undoubted Christian faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed, our faith in our triune God, and we'll do that by singing hymn one. Merciful Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you for your wondrous purpose and plan to establish and consummate your wondrous kingdom. And Lord, how far you have come in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that by your grace you have united us to your Son. And we see from your word what it is to be in Christ We thank you for your faithfulness in the midst of the darkness of Babylon. And we thank you for the light of your presence for your servants then. And we thank you for the light of your word to guide and comfort us now. We pray, Lord, work by your spirit in our hearts for our comfort and hope to be firmly established within us according to the truth and light of your word, which does not change. We pray, Lord, lead us on. And we pray that we may have a hunger and a desire for your word, the rich promises that are there, the instruction that you give us, the hope for the future that is put before our eyes. We ask, Lord, that you will Let your word be our guide day by day. Keep us from straying. Keep us from error. We ask, Lord, that you will continue to have your name honored in your people here. We ask that you be with us as we go into another week of daily work, learning, activities, travel, Lord, care for us where we are and where we go, and may we know ourselves daily living out of your hand and towards your kingdom. Help us when we have to make decisions and choices. Give us wisdom. Give us steadiness. We pray, Lord, that we may also receive from your hand the fruit of our labor, and may we be good stewards of that. O Lord, look upon us in mercy. Go with us from here today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us worship the Lord with our thank offering. Our gifts are again for safe families. After we have given our gifts, let us stand and sing hymn 54, stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 8.
receive the Lord's blessing and go in peace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.